You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Every, everything about what the Lord has to say today is uh, already going through your minds right now. Um, but before we start, there is very clearly what we're about to call out and begin to speak to. There is a spirit that would seek to distract your mind and lead your heart to a place of its choosing, where it has power, where it has authority, to define perspective. And so before we start, we're going to pray against that. Lord, we, just, we speak right now in the name of Jesus, and not just the name of Jesus, He is he is our brother, and we therefore have the authority. We have the power of the kingdom of heaven that has been given to us because we too are sons and daughters of God. And we say with that authority, any spirit that is not from you, that has not originated in your heart, that exists in this place, we bind it and cast it out in Jesus' name. The first of us who conquered the grave, and because of his sacrifice and because of his victory, we can now stand. In victory. And from that place of victory, more than conquerors, we say anything that does not exist in the heart of God for the people in this place and for this house and for this community, we cast it out in Jesus' name. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It is, it is fascinating to me. I heard this uh, just in a, as I was listening to a podcast, just a, it wasn't anything to do with the word it, that the guy was preaching on it was just very quickly um, spoken, but there is, there is no other God who will go before you, fight the battle for you, and then come back and say the victory is yours. Think about that. He invites us into the victory he won to claim it for ourselves as mine. This is my victory. I stand on this victory. It is, it is my identity, this victory. He's the only God that would go and fight the battle for you, win the war for you, and then come back and say, rejoice, for you have victory. And it is yours. It's fascinating to me. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it's just a side note. It's fascinating. And now here's where the irony starts. The word I started with on my little notes just to kick us off is perspective. We've talked about it a bunch, but I feel like that word has a different weight this morning. Um, and I don't think there's any doubt that over the last few months, God has been trying to change our perspective. He has been trying to redefine to us what perspective is, where it comes from, how, how we have correct perspective. We've been talking about it for several months now. And he continues to emphasize this. So there is no doubt that he wants us uh, to give him control to define our perspective. Not looking to the army behind us, rather, but looking to the army, or looking to the miracle that is before us. As the Israelites did, leaving Egypt, instead of standing and waiting for the army that was coming to destroy them, they turned and moved forward for the miracle that was before them. There was a miracle before them. They did not know and they could not define even when it was in front of them and they were in the midst of the miracle. They could not define what was happening around them. They could not articulate the fullness of what God had led them into, but God led them into it. 
So what changes our perspective as we begin to funnel in on what we're talking about this morning? What changes our perspective? What brings our attention to the army behind us and away from the work that the Lord is doing before us? What changes our perspective? Well, we would, we would clearly say, and what could be a, a very obvious answer is that circumstances change our perspective. But it can't simply be circumstances. It is not simply just circumstances. It is subscribing to the world's definition of our circumstances. The world tells you what your circumstance is. It tells you what you should be feeling. It, it seeks to, de- to define your circumstances for you. There is not a circumstance that you will ever go through. There is not a situation that you will ever go through where the world will not have a preconceived definition of what this means for you. There's not, there's not one of those circumstances that you'll go through. And you either subscribe to that in the world's definition of what you're encountering, or you allow the Lord to define it for you and define for you all that He is doing. Isaiah 43:18. Don't forget, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing now. It springs forth. Do you not perceive it? He's doing a new thing now, but will you ever perceive it if you're continually allowing the world to define the circumstance for you? You'll never see it. I've had a story on my heart for several years now. I heard it, um, I think, three or four years ago. And it has been something that sometimes daily the Lord reminds me of. Never been released to share it. Never felt a need to share it until this week. It, it is a story the Lord uses often to protect my perspective. Um, to ensure that He is defining the story and not the world. So I want to share that story with you today. This is a true story. This is not my story, this is, but this is a true story. Um, there was an African farmer by the name of Ali Hafed. He had, he had a, a good life. He had, he had everything he needed. He was content, but he was a farmer in Africa. He worked for everything he had. He didn't have a lot, but he had enough. And one day, uh, uh, just a passerby, a, a, a fellow farmer, begins to tell Ali of the diamond rush that is happening in India. And they're finding these diamond mines all over India... And how some of his fellow neighbors are, are selling their land and they're going, they're moving to India, India to make their fortune. That's what they're going to do. And so Ali does the exact same thing. He sells all that he has. Now, he was blessed. He sold all that he had, put his family up somewhere. I'm not really clear on the details of that, but puts his family in a, in a small place and then he goes off to India to make their fortune. And a year goes by, and he sends a letter back to his wife that there are no diamonds here, and begins to articulate the hopelessness of his situation, and there's a raging river by where he's staying, and he jumps into that raging river and kills himself, a year after going to make this fortune. And now, another farmer bought this land from Ali, lived there content. And was working this land 
and continued to come across these black rocks, really annoying black rocks, until he found one, as he's clearing this stuff and working this land to farm it, he finds one that kind of has a rainbowish tint to it, black rock with a rainbowish tint to it. Thanks. Well, that's real pretty. I'll go put it on my, my mantelpiece. Takes it home, puts it on this mantle. Time goes by. Um, farmer just continues to live his life, not expecting anything, anything special. And a visitor comes to this man's house. And the rock on this mantle catches his eye. He says, what, what is that? He said, I don't know, I found, it. I found it here on my land, I was working it. And in closer examination, the visitor realizes that's a diamond. The largest diamond ever discovered. And what ended up happening is this farmer ended up owning the land that would be responsible, that would become the largest diamond deposit in Africa. So large and so valued that the Queen of England, her jewels, a lot of her diamonds, these precious heirlooms in the family come from this mine. That's true. She has them today. This farmer ended up owning the land that would be the largest diamond deposit in Africa, most valuable diamond deposit in Africa at the time, so much so that it would catch the superpower of the time. And she would want her jewels to be made from that place. Romans 8.28, just as a reminder, it's for all things work together for the good of those that love God. We have got to convince ourselves of that sometimes because we don't feel like he's working anything for the good. We don't know how he can make a horrible situation good or a difficult situation good. But are you allowing the Lord... And here's the main point. Listen to this. Are you allowing the Lord to show you the field of diamonds beneath your feet? Or are you allowing the world to define the circumstances around you? The circumstance, saying that the circumstance is hopeless. That this place that you live is barren. There can be no fruit here. There can be no growth here. There can only be toil. There can only be turmoil. There can only be difficulty. There can be no victory here. There can only be strife. Abandon it. Because that is what the world says. The world will say to abandon it. How many fields of diamonds have been abandoned because we subscribe to the world's definition of our circumstances instead of allowing the Lord to show us what we were standing on top of? How many fields of diamonds? It breaks my heart how many fields of diamonds in the stories of the people of God have been abandoned for something that would prove void and worthless. But we subscribe to the world's definition. And I don't know why, because the world doesn't care about your good. Are any of you convinced that the world cares about your good? There are so many people that say, I care about your good, until... You offer offense to what they think or believe. Whew, they don't care about you after that. That's all over. It's insanity to me. There is, and this, this, that's not a political statement because, my goodness, I have been, I have been drug and run my, had my life and my, uh, just my name thrown in the dirt by people on both sides of the aisle. 
There is no politicalness about this. This is just the nature of people that subscribe to the world. That master is the world they serve. They do not care about your good. The world does not care about your well-being. It does not care about your relationships. It does not care about your families. It does not care about your needs. It does not care about your wants. And it definitely does not care about your dreams. It says it does. But it will be the first to crush your dreams. To say you are incapable, to say you are not qualified, to say you are unable, the world will be the first one in line to cast you down. And it definitely does not care about your community. It does not care about sundown. It does not care if sundown fades. It makes no difference to the world. If sundown one day no longer exists, it does not care. And the world does not care if sundown church and its doors close one day. The world does not care if this becomes an empty building one day. For people years down the road to be like, what in the world is that? And to break into it and go looking through it because they think it's haunted like so many of us have done to abandoned buildings as we were growing up. The world does not care. So stop giving it any say in your story. It makes no logical sense. Why, you would give, why we would give so much power and authority to define my world and my point of view to the world that seeks its own good and not mine. That seeks its own well-being and not mine. Instead, trust the one. Hear this. Trust the one who has placed you over a field of diamonds. He has set you on top of a field of diamonds. But how, what, was, what is so profound to me is that farmer didn't buy that land seeking anything but that land and to farm it and to work and to be content with what he was given. And in that place of being content with where he was, Joyful because of all that he was given, all that he was given that he could measure, what he was able to unlock was all that he was given that he had no clue he stood on top of. Because he was content. Because he was joyful with where he was. He wasn't in turmoil about what it looked like. He wasn't looking out into that field, stressed out and just covered in anxiety and turmoil because he had to go work it if he wanted any fruit to come from it. There was joy in his heart because it was his. It was his assignment. He got to go and work the land. He got to to work over it. He got to, to invest his blood, sweat, and tears in it that fruit could come from it. And because of that, because of his willingness to put in the work that fruit could come, he discovered more fruit than he could have ever imagined. He discovered more than his than his mind could have ever perceived more than he could have ever dreamed. Instead, trust the one who has placed you over a field of diamonds. Amen? And do not forget that sometimes the world that is telling you to give up, sometimes that world that's telling you to give up are those closest to you. And so I would challenge you with this. Is he all that you need? Is He all that you need? If He says stay, 
Is that all you need? If he says go, will you go? If he says let me show you, will you let him show you the field of diamonds that you stand on? Is that all that you need? Don't forget. We oftentimes give up what so many would give anything for. There were so many that prophesied, that spoke, that the Lord told them of what He was building, of what He was doing, and what He was doing and what He was building too is the day that we currently find ourselves living in. So many. Now they're in the presence of God. Jesus went and He grabbed them out of Sheol and He took them to heaven with Him. But so many longed for the day where God and man were reconciled to each other and they could be filled with the presence of God that they were prophesying would come. The day that we live in now, they prophesied of its coming. When the Son of God, the Lamb, the perfect Son, would lay down His life that we could be forgiven, that we could come back into the presence of God as we were intended in the Garden of Eden. They longed for that day. But their assignment was to lay a foundation that would support that day. What if Abraham had given up? What if he had said no to what God had said? No, I want it now. I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it later. I want to see my descendants that outnumber the stars in the sky. I want to see it now. would have happened but note hanging on to the word of God allowing the word of God to define what he was doing he stood upon a field of diamonds that came the line of David that would come Jesus the son of God that would set the world free because he was obedient to what was before him and he allowed God the only voice to define what was around him To define where he stood. So important. So important because there are so many that would give anything to see what the Lord has said he will do over this community. He has spoken it in and through us. There are so many that would long for the relationship between spirit and man where they could just sit in the presence of God continually as we can. That we can take it with us wherever we go. There are so many that would give anything for the field of diamonds that we have inherited. That is the presence of God. We stand over a field of diamonds. And there is more in store for us than we can imagine. But we cannot allow the world to define what we see. We cannot allow it. It was... It was a. It was a. It was a struggle for. It was a struggle for me. It was. It was difficult for me this morning, because I could feel this spirit pulling on me, trying to take my attention away from this morning, and I just, as we were playing, I just asked the Lord, "Okay, define what it is that you see. What What are you seeing?" And what the Lord began to show me, He began to show me all these little churches tucked away in all these corners, these insignificant corners, really just across the state of Texas. I could could see churches meeting in school classrooms. I could see them meeting in these tiny little hole-in-the-wall 
buildings and outdoor shopping malls and shopping centers. I, I could see them meeting in parks. I could see them meeting in living rooms. And the Lord is saying, I am doing, I am doing a powerful thing in these little places. It's like, that's, that's what I... You, you, you see a small group of people. I see thousands upon thousands yet in small gatherings, but they are coming with one heart united under the Spirit of God to pursue me and all through the kingdom of heaven in their midst. You're not so little when you're joined by millions. And we are united by one Spirit that is in all of us, that is for all of us, and we are connected to Him completely. And I just think it's so funny that the Lord would speak this word for this day. So many of us needed to hear it that we need to allow the Spirit of God to define the circumstance for us. We see with worldly eyes, we need the Spirit of God to show us with heavenly ones what we are standing on top of. And we just need to believe. We need to start by just saying yes to the reality that sundown Texas, that West Texas, we stand upon a field of diamonds. There's only beauty. There is only majesty in store if we will allow Him to define what it is that we see instead of allowing the world to define what it is that we see. Because when the world defines it, you very, 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 very quickly turn to this place of hopelessness and abandonment. Cut ties, be done with it, let's go. Let's move on. We tried. That is not what the Lord has spoken. It's important, this field of diamonds, he he continually keeps, not just my perspective, Uh, when it comes to things with this church and this community, but just in my own personal life. I was was driving the other day. And it's to the point now where I don't even have to be discontent and he'll remind me of it. But it used to, when he first started speaking this, I would get discontent like that. I struggle with uh, wanting things now and not very good at waiting so I spend money because I want it now. I have adult money, and I've got like a 12-year-old mentality. So I'm just going to throw it in the cart, and I'm going to buy it, and I'll deal with the consequences later. And that comes from a spirit of discontentment. And the Lord dealt with me in that uh, several years ago, but he uses this field of diamonds to keep me in check. I was just driving it. I, I, I think he does it because he can see it creeping on before I even recognizing it coming. But I'm just driving, just driving through Leveland. I see, I see somebody working on their car in the United parking lot. They've got it jacked up. They're underneath it. They've got parts. They're working on it, and it broke down when they went to go grocery shopping. I'm driving by like, they would give anything for the field of diamonds that you stand on. Right? So it's important for us to remain content with what God is doing and how He has provided for us. Things are not always easy, but there is always someone that would trade you for your field of diamonds in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And there are people of old. There are prophets. 
that would love to be in the presence of God, authoring the kingdom in a city as we have been chosen and called to do. A field of diamonds that we get to be a part of. We get to be the ones that discover the diamonds. We get to be the ones that see the kingdom built in this city. What a field of diamonds we stand on. So allow the Lord, allow the Lord to be the one that defines the perspective. Stop allowing the world that you know does not care about you in any way, shape, or form. No matter what it says, it is not about your well-being. But the Lord, what more convincing do we need that the Lord is for us and not against us? Because he has placed us over and he has said, I have set you over a field of diamonds. And he gives it to us. He gives it to us. So Lord, I pray that our perspective would always be, our perspective would always be clearly defined by you that we would understand the field of diamonds we stand on. We would not be so quick. We would not be those so quick to abandon what you have set us over because we have subscribed to the world's definition of what we see. But Lord, I pray that we would wait. Give you a breath, a moment to define for us what is happening around us. That we could see the diamonds that are just laying under the dirt. They just need to be walked to. They just need to be cleaned off and picked up. But there is wealth. There is spiritual wealth. There is a wonderful and beautiful harvest in this place. That you have set us over. Keep our perspective clear. That we could see the miraculous. Though we can't define it. Though we don't understand it. We could see. Have eyes to see and ears to hear the miraculous that you are doing before us. The parting of the sea that you are doing before us. The making of a path where there was no path. The impossible. You long for a children, for a people. That trust you with such a trust that you can give them the impossible too and we would run with it. Lord, I pray that we would become so comfortable and so familiar with the impossible. That when the world looks at our lives, it looks at our communities where we dwell, it would, it would not be able to define what it sees. Because what it sees would be impossible. Remove the world's ability to define our circumstances. Because we have so set roots into the reality that you are doing the impossible for us and through us. Thank you, Lord, that you have set us over a field of diamonds. We will not be those that abandon it for the definitions of the world. We choose this place, this hour, 
to invest with you, to work the field with you, because we know there are diamonds waiting for us in that field. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi, guys. Instead of a song, you're going to get a second sermonette. <laughs> um, I, I listened this week. It's just interesting how the Lord will uh, pound on your heart when he needs you to hear something. Um, this week I was listening to a sermon by uh, Pastor Chris Valentin. He's part of uh, the Bethel ministry in Reading. And... He has a unique way of striking a chord in my heart that has a it it has an, a life changing impact. Um, just as testimony, Carrie and I have established uh, Ezekiel of a chapter from Ezekiel about the flowing of water from the threshold and how it deepens as the mantle over our home, and that came from a sermon that I heard from Chris Valentin years ago. He just has a unique way of striking a chord in my heart that allows me to dream in an area that I hadn't dreamed before. Um, and in this sermon, he, 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 he's made the statement that I don't want my greatest exploits to be behind me. I don't want my greatest exploits in the kingdom to be a past story that I tell often, recount often, but something that I encounter every day as the Lord leads me. Um, he was making this statement from an encounter he had had pre the previous week where the Lord challenged him and told him that faith creates alternate realities, is how he put it. That our faith, the faith that we have in the Lord, the faith that we have that he has placed diamonds beneath our feet, create new realities, alternate realities in what we see with the eyes of our flesh. It allows us to see a reality that is beyond what our eyes see. A reality of the kingdom. A reality of his power. A reality of his ability to fulfill his promises. And to make good on the smallest instruction that he gives us. Um, he went on to tell a testimony about how they started their first auto parts store. And it was just one ridiculous request by the Lord afterwards. He essentially started an auto parts store in a prime location in his town with absolutely no money. Didn't pay for the building, didn't pay for the parts, didn't pay for the shelving. All he bought were uniforms for the first two salesmen by the Lord's instructions. And he didn't even give them the names. He gave him the sizes of the clothes to buy. And the Lord told him, the men you interview that fill these clothes are the two you are supposed to buy. It's supposed to hire. That was what he got. And in every step, he kept getting these ridiculous instructions. And as he stepped them out, he just saw God do ridiculous things on his behalf. And he referenced Peter. And he referenced the story of Peter on the water in a way that I had never thought of it. Because for some reason, we teach that story almost as a cautionary tale. We have, a, we have a tendency to focus on the fact that Peter sank, right? He, he walked on the water, and then he took his eyes off Jesus, and then he sank. Somehow we make that the story. And there is a lesson in there. But what, what Pastor Valentin called out is that we failed to see that Peter did the impossible. 
hand in hand with Christ, he did something that was physically impossible, walking upon water. That changed perspective for me. I saw that story differently for the first time. That hand in hand in Jesus, we can do that which is physically impossible. And that our greatest exploits, no matter what our age, no matter how close we are to returning to him or perceived closeness, our greatest exploits in the kingdom can always be before us if we are willing to walk in impossible places. And as Pastor Parker was talking about allowing our perspective to change, to not see what the, Lord, what the world tells us to see, but to see the diamonds beneath our feet, to see the impossibility of our greatest exploits being right beneath us as we walk in these impossible places. And just as I was about to step up here, I read a verse that he had actually been talking to me about two weeks before. And it's at the end of this chapter. I hadn't made this connection. But they reached the other side that following morning, and many people came to Jesus. And he took pity on them. And they came to him and begged him, this is verse 36 of Matthew 14, and begged him to let them merely touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as were touched were perfectly restored. How did they know to do that? How did these people in that desert place know about touching the hem of his garment? It's because it happened to one. The impossible happened to one woman in a crowded market and word spread. Faith arose and so many that touched him in the, on that day were healed in the same way. Never been done before. Only one time. And here it is occurring over and over and over again. Breakthrough in the kingdom, breakthrough in our life happens because we are willing to take Jesus' hand in the impossible places, to take hold of his garment, to place our faith in him, our absolute trust, and go into places that we never dreamed that we would go, walk in ways that we sometimes even find silly, could dream that there would be no power in them. But we find the power is there because of obedience. We find the diamond that is beneath our feet because of obedience. And you want to see a community change? Simply walk in that impossible place and let the testimony be seen and heard. Your testimony brings faith in others that they would come to Jesus in the same way, in the same situation and find that same victory. When Parker tells you, and when he's sharing with us through the Holy Spirit to look at the diamonds beneath our feet, this isn't a abstract encouragement is a way to put it. It's not something that is a far-off concept that somehow makes us feel good in our heart. It is the power of the kingdom. I mean, you go, and you go to your house and you look around. It's an impossible thing to imagine that every stone you picked up would have a diamond inside. Right? That makes no sense that we would think that. But yet that kind of impossibility is possible with him. It is 
interesting how he weaves things together. Just don't give up. Don't quit. Continue in faith. Continue believing that your greatest exploits are in front of you. And you will win. You will see his victory. He will go out and win it before you and share it with you. He will make everything beautiful. And he will do it in his perfect time. And it will change sundown. It will change my neighborhood. Wherever you live, it will, re- it will emanate. Just like the rainbow from that diamond, it will emanate and shine wherever you are. So, Father, I thank you for how you stir up faith within us. How you bring the right message at the right time. And you allow us to dream again. A dream is at its most powerful when, when all around us is at its darkest. The light of hope shines brightest when it seems like there should be no hope. So we take your hand this morning, Jesus, by faith. Just because you lead me and allow me. Open your hands, please. Just close your eyes and open your hands. This morning as it awakes in my heart, I am part by you, Holy Spirit, impossible faith. Faith that rejects the world, that rejects our own vision, our own eyes that we, as we perceive the world. I impart faith that creates new realities in our own stories. I impart faith that creates new realities in the stories that we encounter. That we would see ourselves as torch bearers, light carriers, those imbued with the light of hope. I impart that vision of ourselves. That the next steps we take are taken in a new reality, a new understanding, a new empowerment. And as you allow me, I prophesy that it will bear fruit in concert with what you have already spoken. That if we will take your hand, walk in the impossible instructions you give us, we will see magnificent fruit. And there will be fruit that we never see beyond a reach we ever dreamed. And in this moment, we praise you for it because there is no word that you speak that ever returns void. So we take heart this morning. As Jesus told the disciples, take courage, be of good cheer. This morning, we do the same. We take courage. We let hope and joy fill our hearts where sadness and heaviness was. And we take your hand and we walk out on the water by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.